0: A dream is made real! Ricky Hout rocks the world! How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over!
1: Welcome back, fighter fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast Big Fight Preview. This weekend, we've got Myrus Bradis against Hai Opitaya. A big fight for Myrus Bradis. We've been looking forward to seeing whether he'll come through his big fight to potentially fight Lawrence Okolai. We've got a big conversation to have around that fight. But also at the Wembley Arena this coming weekend, we've got Joe Joyce, who's fighting Christian Hammer. Jason Cunningham in the fight of his life against Solani Tete. Callum Johnson also back in action in the light heavyweight division. And Nathan Heavey bringing the big, massive following from Stanley stoke is also fighting on this card so there's not as much going on this weekend Johnston, in terms of major major fights the biggest one for us is obviously myrus bradis against yaya tyre which is a a really risky fight for myrus bradis going into a bit of a breakdown of this because you know we've had a little bit of a look at hyo tyre going into this big fight preview because we've not really seen anything of him so we had to go and have a look at him and see what he was about actually a pretty decent fighter you know you've mentioned it to me you told me to go and have a look and watch him i've watched him and you know he's a pretty handy pretty handy operator this is actually a a risky fight regardless of what you think of how good brady's is this is a really risky fight for him and he's going over to australia to fight him in his own backyard so this this could be a real upset here
0: i I think it, it is definitely a potential upset um yeah, looking on um, Opetaya, again, we both didn't really know too much about him, but from the footage we've seen of this guy, he can fight, he can box. He's a good mover. He's slick. Um, you know, he's, he's got a bit of power, a bit of pop in him as well. Um, he's only 26. He's a young boy, southpaw. Obviously, the main point is that he's not fought anywhere other than, I think, I think the furthest he's gone is Mexico. Other than that, he's been in Australia for pretty much his whole career. Um, and um, the one thing I will say is none of those fights, in particular, we've managed to see that none of the guys actually really put it on him, and so you don't really know what his inside games like, and how he's gonna how he's gonna be affected by Marius Breeders, who you know he's a he's a guy that has he's been around for quite a while now, and I mean 37, he's an old boy now, but you know he's probably the one fella that pushed the. The, the best fight around at the minute which is Usyk I mean he pushed him all the way and from that point I mean for me he's been he's been a star and, and he's produced the goods you think the Dauticus fight was outstanding in that to, to win that uh tournament but I mean the fact that he pushed Usyk as much as he did but the fact of the the fact of the matter is he's going to Australia against a younger guy who's going to be a bit quicker a bit sharper so Breedis, he can be a bit nasty but I I mean, we will go into a bit of a breakdown in this fight in a minute. And I, and I sort of, I, I can see Breedis losing the first few rounds here. Uh, and and I can see him getting a bit frustrated. I think he's, when he's in, when he's inside though, he's well-classed. And I think he can, he could he could literally, if he really does land on Opetaia, he could get rid of him. Because we don't really know whether Opetaia is going to take these shots. But there is also a possibility, if he does, if he's able to take them and he does go behind on the cards and he's a bit rough as well, breeders i could see a point getting taken away from him here as well it's not easy this one you know it's not i mean you, you i sort of the wall I think about it so sort of, if a puttie can keep away from him and nick Rands, i mean we see it with kombosis Junior against haney haney what what floor of Junior? There was a few cards in you know in a few rounds that were given to Cambosis that i don't think he deserved and i think you're going to see that here i hate to say again pulling in the judges but i think breeders may need to get rid of this kid
1: Well, we talked about this in the Devin Haney-Kambosis Jr. fight a few weeks ago, but like you said, Devin Haney wipes the floor with him, you know, convincingly where, you know, they really couldn't leave it to any doubt, even though one judge did clearly need to go to the local opticians because they were clearly watching (laughs) the wrong fight. But there is that potential, there's always going to be that element of it. Breedis is obviously 37 years of age. He's 11 years older than his opponent. He's got all the experience behind him. He fights really well on the inside. And I think that's going to be the key for Breedis here, is is to test Opitya on the inside and to see whether, if he gets on the inside, whether Opitya can handle that, whether he's got the experience to handle it. He's had 21 fights. But as you've rightly pointed out, he hasn't fought anybody. He hasn't fought anybody at the level... That Brady's has fought at, and Brady's has been consistent at for the last six, seven years. So for me, this is a a really, it's a, it's a moment really where you're either gonna see a a, a crown a crown star in the making in tyre and Brady's sort of fading away <laughs> to the distance, or you're gonna see the old dog still got them tricks up his sleeve that's gonna be able to then solidify himself as the number one in the division with the number two being Lawrence acoli and that fight finally happening before acoli has to end up moving up because of his size and his reach and his weight so for me this is a huge fight really when you look at it from that perspective it doesn't feel like it because it hasn't really been well promoted uh, in regards because obviously Bradis isn't a UK based fighter he isn't He isn't from the UK nobody really you know looks at it from a UK perspective other than us hardcore boxing fans who, who want to see these guys in action and, and obviously when you look at Marius Bradis you know you, you think of the fights with Usyk you think of the fights with Kloaki you think of the fights with Dortikos and, and obviously his last fight against Half a Man. He, he's been really really good throughout his career he's been really consistent throughout his career he's only got the one loss obviously to Usyk on his record so you know for him now this is a chance to solidify himself he's got to get on the inside he's got to show the young fellow in open tire that he, you know he's still there he still means a lot of business and remember he still is the ibf champion as well so he's got a title that he needs to go on over there to, and he needs to defend it and he needs to defend it really well whereas open is coming in as the unknown quantity and whilst nine times out of ten the unknown quantity fighter ends up being the one that gets beaten on the night that other one time out of ten, we get the moment where you see a new, you know, a new crowning moment in boxing, where a, a guy comes from seemingly nowhere, not being sort of worldwide promoted, only in his own country, to then being bought on the global stage by getting a huge victory. How do you see this fight going down then?
0: Yeah, it's a t- I mean, up a time. I mean, the one thing is, well, we don't even know what the referee is at this point, and I do wonder if um you, you might get one of them refs that it is going to be trying to break him up on the inside you know you get them some it it just them horrible refs you watch they just interfere and they don't allow the fights to work each other out i hope we don't get any of this so look every advantage for opataya is going to go to him and i hate to say it, if it's over here it'd be the same and it's just how boxing is at the minute it's a bit like not so much as football because you do have a referee there but you know he can be influenced by the crowd himself and i think the judges are going to anything close is going to go to Apatite. Bratis has got to be careful not to give away too many rounds in the early exchanges because I think what you're going to see is Apatite is a very very good boxer. He, he is, you know, he's got a great amateur background as well, and he's easy on the he's easy on the eye. So it's easy to probably give him some rounds as well because Bredis is, for all he's he's worth, Bratis is. A, I think he's one of the best fighters still around, even at 37. Is inside work is just tremendous, isn't it? We've seen that, uh, and we see how he pushed sick So against slippery fighters, he has the ability to get in there and get involved. I just worry you're gonna have one of them shit refs that keeps breaking them up and then keeps warning him for nothing, and then he gets deducted points and things like that. Breedus is gonna get pissed off. I wouldn't be surprised if Breedus gets disqualified or something crazy like this. I just <laughs> I could, this is what I can visually see in my head. But on the other side, you piss Breedus off, he is a he's a very clever fighter, on here. So as I say, he, he's not always very dirty. And uh, we don't know about patio And he's never had that in his whole career. Someone of the level of Breeders whacking him and going for broke. So I, I can see Breeders eventually working it out and hurting him. And um, I'm hoping he stops. I don't really know when. It could be middle rounds, middle to end rounds. I feel, I'm hoping that Bredis doesn't allow Opetaia to take too much of a lead. I'm hoping he jumps on him sort of from four rounds onwards. But I think those first few rounds, first half of the fight, I think Opetaia, you're going to see, is very slick. And, um, yeah, quite – definitely one to look out for in the future, though. But, but I think Bredis will eventually – If it, look, I, I'm, I'm really stuck on this. If Bredis stops him, great. Um, but I, I can see maybe, hopefully – not two of the judges. I think you're definitely going to have one of the judges going to Uppetaya, but anything close is going to go his way. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping brady stops him, so I'm going to stick with that. I don't know when, Sean, but I'm going to go over Bredis' stoppage. Well, it's hard
1: to predict a fight against an unknown quantity. On paper, you think, well, brady has got the experience. Uppetaya hasn't had that experience against a top-level opponent. So, automatically, you, you sort of looked aside with the guy, with the champion in Bredis, which... Genuinely, I mean, I've seen both of the fighters. I've been watching Brady's longer than Opataya. I've only seen bits of Opataya, enough to make me make an assessment that he is good enough to possibly hang it at world level, but I'm just not sure he's good enough to beat Bradys at this moment in time. I think maybe another year or two against more high-quality opposition, and maybe that's where he will then yeah. be a potential successor in the future in the Cruiserweight division. I think Brady wins it. I think he's... I'd rather see him stop Opitaya later on in the fight and systematically break him down and get a good victory over him because if it goes to the cards, you know, there's always that doubt, as you've already pointed out and, and made it quite clear that, you know, these things do happen. It happens a lot. It happens in most countries, unfortunately. Judges can make them very, very clouded judgments, unfortunately. So hopefully that doesn't come into play. Hopefully Brady doesn't get frustrated, loses any points, and it ends up being controversial. If he If he knocks him out and stops him, great that's that's the fight with Lawrence to on and that's what we really want to see we really want to see that fight happen I mean bradis was over here wasn't he was it early last year he was uh when he, yeah. when he dressed up in the Mario suit and uh, he came onto <laughs> the uh he came onto the broadcast didn't he on the zone and it was quite hilarious and it's obvious he wants the bigger fight because he knows it's going to make bigger money and if it happens over here in the UK it's going to make bigger money for him as a fighter he's not scared of traveling whatsoever evidently by going to Australia to fight the young but he's got to get through this fight first I think he wins it I I think it's a late stoppage for him I'm looking forward to it it's probably for me the biggest fight of the weekend uh, in, in, in the world per se but you know we've got our UK fighters going on this weekend we've got a Frank Warren card happening this weekend and You know, I was really looking forward to seeing Joe Joyce versus Joseph Parker. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. Joseph Parker has moved on and he's now signed with Boxer instead. So apparently Ben Shalom has made an offer to Frank Warren to fight Joe Joyce uh, later on this year. So as it stands, on Saturday, Joe Joyce faces off against the aged Christian Hammer, who has fought literally everybody. He's fought anybody who's... Anybody in the sport, hasn't he, really? Huey Fury, Frank Sanchez, Tony Yoker, Luis Ortiz, Alexander Povetkin, Tyson Fury, Michael Sprott. You know, he's fought literally everybody in the division that's possible to fight. And he's still 34 years of age. And, God, he's been going for uh, so, so long. His career started in 2008. This, for me, is a fight to keep Joe Joyce active, keep him ready, keep him in shape for that bigger fight this year. Joe Joyce, 13-0 in his career so far, has been pretty destructive, regardless of what you think about how he gets the job done. He does look slow and methodical and ponderous at times. I mean, look at what he's been doing, though. You know, he's knocked out Carlos Takam. He's knocked out Daniel Dubry, He knocked out Michael Wallace There, are his last three fights. He's knocked out... Bermain Stavern, former WBC champion. So he has had a great, great start in his career. But again, he's another fighter who's aging. He's 36 years of age and we haven't seen him really in his most significant fight as to date. So the Joseph Parker fight, should that happen later this year, that's the biggest fight. But I honestly see him bulldozing his way through Christian Hammer. I cannot see any other way than a Joe Joyce knockout, maybe four or five rounds in.
0: Yeah, it is mad how Christian Hamer, what, 34 years of age, he feels like he's been around forever. And you've got Joe Joyce a couple of years older than him. So, obviously, he, he stuck around the amateurs a bit longer. But it, it just shows you it's crazy how how it's happened. But yet, you would say Joyce is the fresher of the two, probably because he's stuck around the amateurs and uh, Hamers, obviously... You know he's an aged 34. For some of the fights he's been in. That being said, he hasn't actually been knocked out clean since uh, I think it was Gunecki or something like that 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 knocked him out he gets stopped. He got stopped sort of in retirement. So against both the Fury boys, I think he got, he had to retire in his corner. So he hasn't actually been knocked out. So it would be a statement from, uh, from Joe Joyce if he was to do that. But as you say, he does look slow. It is a Marius watch. Sorry. That was the last time Hamer got actually wiped out clean. And that was in 2010. So he doesn't actually get fully fledged, knocked out. So I'm hoping that Joyce will uh, just keep pressurizing him, but maybe what he does do is he realises, I'm going to probably get knocked out soon, so I'm not going to step out in the corner for the next round. I think you might see that. I think you might see him get stopped at his corner, Hamer, uh, after persistent pressure from Joyce. And as you say, I think it'd be quite early. Joyce is just going to run through him like a train, because that's what he does. He is slow, but yet he does. He's, he's, he's constant in what he does. He doesn't get any faster. He doesn't get any slower. He just maintains that pace, and he will maintain that pace, which is... A, He's a lot of punches for 12 rounds. He just has that tank in him. And I think that's what makes him so strong. And he's got a chin. So, uh, look, this is just a fight to keep getting ticking over. And I think he stops him probably around, or Hamer decides not to come out around five or six, to be honest.
1: So, the other big fight on the card for me is Jason Cunningham, who, as I said at the start of the show, you know, he's in the fight of his life here, isn't he, against Alani Tati? He's been on a career resurgence. You know, he's obviously been in some big fights throughout his career, but he's lost the bigger fights of his career so far. Reese Bellotti, Jordan Gill, Michael Conlon, you know, Khalid Yafai, you know, Khalid Yafai in 2015. The big fights of his career so far, really, he's lost. But then, as of last year after a few routine victories over 2019 and 2020 he beats Gamaliefay on points he beats Brad Foster the biggest win to date of his career and then in his last fight in April of this year he beats Terry Lecovier and continues his great run of form and now he comes up against the once formidable Zalani Tate which I think is a really good statement of intent at this stage of his career because, you know, with Cunningham, everything is now at a point where it's... Everything's a winner. For him, Everything everything's a winner now because he's come back and everything he does from this point forward is probably more than expected of him. It's more than what's been again overachieving i think he's starting to overachieve but no, nobody expected this of him and then he's going in against alani tate and alani tate as we know absolutely fantastic fighter fantastic fighter throughout the course of his career but he got absolutely demolished in 2019 against john Real Casamayo, and i'm not so sure if he is the same fighter anymore to be honest. I think a lot of people have realised that they can actually hang it with Tete. He's had that massive power and he's had some great stoppages on his record. I remember him stopping Paul Butler in 2015, you know, emphatically stopping Paul Butler in 2015. And from then on, he gets a good few TKO wins. But then over the course of a few fights, people started to figure him out and started to realise, actually, you know, th- there's a way in which you can avoid this guy's power. Very reminds me of uh, the the Bradis Prescott when he absolutely demolished Khan. And then when people found a way around it, Kevin Mitchell, I think, was the one that just made him look very amateurish. So there's a potential here for Jason Cunningham to, to do something that not many people have done in the career, and that's that's really put a statement to his name and beating a guy like Zalani Tete. So we've got the IBF International Super Bantamweight title on the line. The Commonwealth title is on the line as well in this particular fight. This is the biggest fight of Jason Cunningham's career. A win here for him would surely then put him in line for a huge huge payday in the super bantamweight division we've spoke about in our reaction show recently obviously we've got mj akma you've got brandon figueroa stephen fulton you know all up there at the top the very top of the super bantamweight division you know the likes of ronnie rios who's just fought akma I mean, Jason Cunningham's not too far away in in the overall rankings from these fighters. And I honestly think, you know, a big win against someone like Tete puts him right up there, you know, as a potential future voluntary opponent of someone in the division. I genuinely think that's where it puts him. But can he overcome him, Johnston? Can he overcome the powerhouse of Zalane Tete?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good one, isn't it? It is a good fight for him. Um, And he really has a resurgence in his career. He's... It it literally seemed like it was dead in the water until, obviously, that uh, the Gamal win. And I think um, that Gamal win has inspired him and he's gone on, obviously, the Brad Foster and and, then the Lecovier win. I mean, three great wins have put him into this position to now fight Zolani Tete, who I think is buddies with uh, Frank, because I do remember him coming over here and blitzing one guy with one punch in the first round once on a Frank Warren card. And then from that moment, they were sort of saying, "Ah, this guy's... He's so good. Uh, I think it was uh, Gonya. But, I mean, we had seen him previously, obviously, uh, against Paul Butler when he absolutely destroyed Paul Butler. But, you know, when we're talking, that was 2015. It's a long time ago. He's, he's 34 now. But, you know, they're both southpaws. Look, Jason Cunnaman, if there's any a chance for him to get another big name, it's this is the fight for him to do it. I mean, it is... It's, it's more than possible. And as you say, like when fighters are not as sort of frightened as, as, as Teddy as they used to be, uh, it some, maybe some of them used to go into the ring already a beaten man. And, and I think now, like, like Butler did, but I think, I don't think it's going to be like that for Jason Canneman. And, and I, I just hope Jason can do it. It's a big ask for him though, to be fair, because I do think Teddy's still, you know, even if he's, he's a bit older, but he's still got the skill, he's still got a bit of pop. I mean, you don't... We, in, throughout, the one thing I've always learned is you don't ever lose your power. Um, and yes, he has been—he got knocked out recently, but he still has power as well, Tete. He's a slick fighter. It's going to be interesting because they're both southpaws as well, how that's going to work out. I think if anyone's going to work it out quicker, it probably will be Tete. But um, I'm, I'll be cheering on Jason Cunham. I really will. I just think that Tete might still just have enough in the locker. I agree
1: with that statement. I think that's kind of where I'm edging towards. You know, my heart wants Jason to win so badly. You know, yes. what wants him to get that 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 one big career payday that sets him up for life. But then the other side of me in my mind says that Zalani Tetti is going to have too much for him and is potentially going to stop him later on in this fight. And I think that's the way it will go. You know, if Jason wins it, I'll be absolutely over the moon for the lad. I really, really will. Ah. But I'm not overly confident that he's, he's going to be able to withstand the power for too long throughout the course of that fight let's just see what sort of game plan that they put together and if they put a good enough game plan together they might just be able to get the victory over tete let's see what happens it's another great fight uh, for the card i'm actually looking forward to seeing this fight over any of them on that particular card but like heavyweight callum johnson is back in action finally back in action in his rescheduled fight against igor mchalkin which you know we've wanted to see callum johnson fighting the best fighters of the division since his loss to Petrbiev in 2018, you know, he's not really fought anybody. He's got some names on his record that have got good records, but they're, they're very padded records. And it's so frustrating because, you know, four years down the line since he's fought against Petrbiev, when he knocked Petrbiev down, you know, this, this is huge. He should be fighting the likes of Bivol. He should be fighting the likes of Gilberto Ramirez. This is just not happening for him. I just—I know he's had issues, promotional issues outside of the ring. I know he's ended up with Frank Warren again. Why, just why is he not being pushed forward for a big fight in his career? Now, at this stage of his career, at the age of 36 now, he shouldn't be taking these fights. He shouldn't be involved in these fights. I understand he's had injuries and I understand he needs to be active and he needs to shake off that ring rust. But if he gets this victory against Mick Halkin, he's got to have a big fight next. He really has. If he's to make anything of his career at the top level, then it has to be now. It really has to be. His biggest win really now in his career is Frank only for me. That's the biggest win he's had. He's had a great fight against Paterbiev, but he didn't win. So he needs a big fight. We need to see whether he can fulfil his potential of becoming a world champion in the light heavyweight division. What do you think then about Callum Johnson's chances? Not just of obviously getting the victory in this coming fight this weekend, but actually getting that big fight in the light heavyweight division.
0: Yes, look, I'm with you. He's been very frustrating, Callum, because I know he, he's had a lot of problems outside of the ring. He's just, he's just been so inactive. And the one joy about Callum Johnson is he's got a lot of power. We enjoy watching him because of that, and we know what we're going to get from him. And he demonstrated that against Batyrjev as well that he he really has got some whack. And yes, it didn't last long against Peterviev. You know, it was finished, what, in the fourth round, eventually getting knocked out himself. But the fact that he was able to put Peturviyev down and show faults in his game, the only man to really do that. Um So that's what... He sort of felt like he's going to go and even after sean monaghan as well after that win in vegas i thought that was a great win for him knocking him out in three rounds i thought this is it he, he, he's surely now gonna move on and, and and get another big fight um but it just didn't happen uh after that you know he, he doesn't fight again till 2021 i know we had covid and he just whatever reason he just hasn't had the chances you know as you go from uh, the turning stone result in Vegas, knocking out Sean Monaghan in three rounds after really giving have a bit of a fright the, the year before that, a few months before that, to then back at your call in 2021. It's just crazy. It really is. I mean, this should have been it. Whether, all the problems before COVID and then after, I mean, it, it's just frustrating for the poor lad. Um, I don't really know what the problem is, to be honest with you. Whether it's, is it a health issue? I think I remember reading once there was a health issue with him. I'm not quite sure what that was. I didn't read too much into it, but I was just glad to see him back. So look, he needs to get this win and he needs to move on. And and he's dangerous though. Maybe that's another problem, Sean, is maybe the guys in the lightweight division, like the yards or even Boazzi are probably like, I don't really fancy Callum Johnson because if he lands one on me, I'm going to get knocked out. Maybe that's the reason
1: possibly quite possibly is there's more risk than reward in taking a fight against him and and obviously with the trajectories that the other fighters are on at the moment you know you can understand why maybe people want to veer away from fighting him because they don't he doesn't bring anything to the table that's the problem and and that's the sad part about it he doesn't bring anything to the table what he brings is a lot of risk and absolutely no reward and that's that's the problem (laughs) and the only other fighter in the division is Callum Smith and he's not going to fight Callum Smith he's been in camp with Callum Smithy Years, I'm pretty sure he is still in camp with Callum Smith. So, do you know, like, this is the problem for me. This is the problem. If, if he unless he takes a big fight, unless he gets put into a big fight by his promoter, then he's just going to continue. And then by the time he gets a big fight, he's going to be too bloody old. His his skills are going to diminish, and they're not going to be what they were in his early 30s. And then it's just going to be a case of you know, what could have been. And that's what I don't want to yeah. see from him. I just hope that he gets a, another emphatic victory and I hope they really push him on and I hope he starts calling people out after this and starts saying, look, fight me. You need to fight me. You know, what about Lyndon Arthur? He's not got nothing going on at the moment. Lyndon Arthur, Callum Johnson, good domestic clash, you know, good value in it. You know, Frank Warren promotes them both. Why not get that on? That'll yep. be, be another fight. Mike Richards is another Greg, one. Yep, yep, Craig Richards. So, yeah, there's some good fights out there for, for Callum Johnson. I think he needs them. And I think they all need each other at the moment because of the way the light heavyweight division is stacked. So that's another fight on the card this weekend. So there are other fights going on, uh, prospect versus journeyman fights. The one that I really did want to point out was Nathan Heaney. You know, he brings this massive following from Stoke, a very sort of Ricky Hatton-esque following from Stoke he brings with him to every fight. And he's 15-0. and 0. He's fighting Nizar Trimek, who's 9-3-2. And again, I feel frustrated like I feel with Callum because I feel at this point of his career now, he is ready for a step up. His last fight against Diego Ramirez was considered a step up. He got the UD over 10 rounds. Didn't look fantastic in the fight. But prior to that, he'd been stopping people over the last four or five fights. And he's been progressively moving forward. This is what Frank can do with his fighters sometimes. He puts them through this this sort of 20 to 25 fight apprenticeship before he then finally gets some you know a, a world title shot. I mean, how many fights did Ricky Hatton have before he ended up getting his world title shot? Something similar, 20, 25, something like that, maybe even 30. Uh, I remember it being a, a long, drawn-out process with him, and it feels like it's going the same way with Nathan. It's like Frank Warren knows he hasn't got any massive, massive fighters in his stable. If Tyson Fury stays out of the ring... He hasn't got any world champions in his stable, so he's like he's carefully managing and manoeuvring the likes of Nathan Heaney so that he doesn't get beaten too soon before he's put in a big fight, where it means that... Frank Warren's going to make some good cash off it it feels like that's what he's kind of doing with him at the moment and it probably is the case I think Nathan needs to step up and I'm not saying he doesn't want to step up as a person but I think his team and his management and his promotion need to step him up after this fight they really do again the same way I feel about Callum Callum's at a later stage of his career Callum should be fighting world level fighters Nathan Heaney should be fighting former champions now I think that's the point he's at he should be fighting more sort of aged champions of the division people that you know were one Former champions or contenders that have actually got a little bit of a resume behind them, he shouldn't be fighting the likes of Nizar Tremec at this moment in time.
0: No, and you're right, and, and he's got a, a real knack for that, as any Frank Warren. To the trouble is, is it gets to the point where they're, they're over over prepared for it, and they go a bit over the hill. <laughs> and uh, it, it, you've got to find the balance, and and I think that sometimes he he, he just takes too long with these fights and, and, and you're right with, with Heaney. I mean, you look at the fights he, he should have had. I mean, he should have been all the names and around, you know, you do And you've got, uh, you got, um, Wilson Dent bent the other day. Yeah. Deeney last, night The other on the weekend, they fought, but you know, you ain't your foul as you Denzel Bentley's that like, it's not like there are no fighters in and around this division domestically that he couldn't have taken. And there's just none of them names, not even a Brian Rose on there. You know what I mean? It's, uh, as you say, I think it, 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 I don't really like the way sometimes these fighters are managed and the way you, you've got to have those domestic fights. And it's like it's almost like people are so, so frightened of having those domestic fights within. They, they don't. It sort of pushes them back when you look at sort of Nathan Gorman, that sort of thing. And, and, and I think that maybe that's what they look at and they get a bit worried about that, So they would rather fight these random foreign fighters bring them over and and do a job on them um, and then they just take too long um yeah, I don't think that's a great learning curve. And I, I do worry for when he does step up those shoulders. I do think that I don't think he's had enough experience. So when he does, yeah, he's had 15 fights, but yeah, who's he really bought? Who's he really beaten? And uh, and that's the danger, mate. You need to be, you need to have a situation where you're hurt. You need to have a situation where you have to really dig deep to win fights. I don't, I haven't seen that from him. I, I mean, I haven't watched every one of his fights. Maybe there has been one that i missed. I don't know, Sean, maybe you can enlighten me, but I don't think there is, and I think that's the danger. He needs these next fights now to do that if he wants to even come close to a world title, being a contender even.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not going to disagree with you. There hasn't been anything, really. He's looked a bit flat in a few of his fights, but, you know, that might be a motivation issue. It might be, you know, he gets in the exactly. ring and he's, he's... he
0: needs that big fight, yeah,
1: exactly, to get him going exactly you know it not to be over preparation as well you said like when the when these fighters you know like i've got that hunger and desire they might even over prepare themselves for fights that they don't even need to be prepared as much for and that's not saying that they shouldn't you know train correctly what i'm saying is like they go too hell for lever in the training to the point where they over train where they do look flat in fights but you need to be in a position where you're fighting good domestic opponents and i think this is where he needs to go after this he needs to be fighting big named domestic opponents or at least former contenders at least former contenders to world titles He's 15 fights in, this is a 16 fight, you know, that next fight will be a 17 fight. By this point, you know, you're looking at superstars around the world, and I'm not saying Heaney's a superstar as of as of yet, but, you know, you look at the likes of the Virgil Ortiz's of the world, you know, the Conor Bens uh, the Jaron Enniss of the world, look at how many fights they've had in their careers and look where they're at in their careers, and it's not too dissimilar for the amount of fights that Nathan Heaney's had. I just feel like he's, he's being led up this path... To be managed to, to a point where it's gonna take him to move to another promoter before they'll actually start throwing him in the bigger fight sooner. I think. Yeah. Put it this way, right? If Nathan Heaney was with Eddie Heard now, he would have had bigger fights right now. That, that's the that's the he honest. Have, that's my opinion. Thought,
0: I guarantee you, he would have. He would have at least fought He would have fought one of those names off right. Even a Felix Cash, there would have been a fight like that. You need them fights. I mean, look how many domestic fights Riyakpaw's had. And you feel like Riyakpaw's ready for his title shot because he's had those fights. And Heaney hasn't had them. He needs, you need them. You have to have them. You can't just be fighting. There's no, you can't disrespect the foreign fighters that come out here, but you need those domestic fights. I don't care. Any, in any country, if you're in America, you just mentioned Boots Ennis as well. He's had them. These guys have got to have it to test them and then, they, and then you come at the end of the day, if you lose, unfortunately, you do have to take a step back. And sometimes I think they get a bit too frightened. And I think guys like Frank Warren's the, the worst promoter around it with, with those. He it, it just it marinates everything, not even big fights for too long
1: yep no i agree on that so the rest of the fights on that card mickey burke henry turner tommy fletcher arnold Abodai, all fighting this weekend on that card matt chamberlain against mark vidal also fighting for the ibf european lightweight title and they're the major fights on this weekend they've got a few small hall shows going on across the south of england one in plymouth one at the york hall as well on saturday night but there's no other major fights on this weekend so a little bit of a shorter episode for the fights that are happening this weekend so I suppose it gives us just a little couple of minutes at the end of the episode just to yet again re-promote Legendary Night Season 3 starting on the 4th of July. Now if you're a patron of the BTR Boxing Podcast Network, you will be getting the first three episodes on that day. For everybody else, you'll be getting episode after episode, week after week for 10 weeks coming, 10 new fights, 10 legendary tales. Please make sure you've subscribed to that individual podcast feed on any available podcasting app out there and if you're on social media you can find us at legend night pod and of course btr boxing pod you can find us on any available podcasting app any available social media app we are on there make sure you search for us follow us retweet us share us whatever you want to do comment on any of the episodes comment on this episode please we do genuinely appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting as of late so if you're not a patron to this podcast there's only one final thing I'm going to ask you to do. Go and at least check it out. Patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast. You'll see all the available tiers there. You've got access to episodes earlier. The series-based content always comes out earlier for you. You've got Patreon-only content. We record an episode at least every single month separately. That doesn't go out on the main feeds. You get ad-free episodes. So you don't have to listen to those annoying pre-, mid- and post-ads that get put in there. And... What's more, you're supporting us. You're supporting just two guys just following a little bit of our dream, which is to just continue delivering some excellent content to you guys listening. Thank you, as always, for supporting us. Thank you for all your comments, all your feedback. Please make sure you tune in to Legendary Night Season 3. It's going to be fantastic. But that's it for us for this big fight Preview show. I hope you look forward to all the fights this weekend. Make sure you check out our friends over at Daz TV to check out all their available services. If you're not with Daz TV, please go and check them out. If you're looking for the fights this weekend, BT Sport is the place to go for the Joe Joyce Christian Hammer card. And if you're looking for the Marius Brady's card, well, I've got no clue what channel that's on. I know it's on the Australian networks, but I'm pretty sure there is going to be a stream for it that you you can get access to so please make sure you go and check out that fight and let's see whether marius bradis can come through this big fight this weekend and maybe we'll be talking about the acoli fight very soon that's it that's everything fight fans thanks for listening as always and we'll see you next week
0: Podcast Network.